gospel, please turn to the book of Ephesians in chapter 4. The book of Ephesians chapter 4. We are returning to the second half of the book of Ephesians. We preached the first half, yes, a number of months ago. We actually left off in our study in chapter 5, but today I want to relaunch in chapter 4 to reintroduce Ephesians and also cast some vision for what we want to see happening more and more in our church. So today is part exposition and part vision casting. Let me ask the Holy Spirit for the gift of illumination and Mindy will read our text for us. Spirit of God, would you now fill us and feed us with your word as we worship not only in song and through the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, but worship with you in your word to worship you as we engage with your word. Help us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Ephesians 4, friends. Good morning. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the body joined and held together by every joint which it is equipped. With, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Friends, what comes to your mind when you think about your role here? What comes into your mind when you think about your role in this church? How do you think about your role in the ministry of this church? Do you think of this church kind of like a bus and you're a passenger? You're along for the ride, but rather uninvolved or unengaged with what's really going on, more of a passive passenger. Or maybe for you, the church is kind of like a, a NASCAR racing team. You know, one person is driving around the track, doing the exciting stuff. Everyone else is support crew, filling the gas tank, changing the tires, etc. But the real stuff of ministry is done by just a select few. You don't really count that much. Is that how you think? Or maybe you think of the church kind of like a, a pyramid. And ministry is all top down. Members might do ministry. Well, if they're asked, if, if the pastors say so. Well, through this passage, God wants to put a very different picture in your mind as it relates to the church. He wants us to see our church as a body, 
and you as a vital part of that body, a necessary member of that body. In fact, he shows us three things about your ministry in this body, three vital truths about your ministry right here. Truth number one, your ministry is needed, vitally needed by this body. Your ministry here is vitally needed by this body. Now let's set the context of that statement. Because Ephesians provides an astounding vision of the church of Jesus Christ. In chapter 1, for the Christian, before the foundation of the world, God chose you. Before the universe was created, he set his love upon you. Those seated around you right now are objects of God's eternal love. How can they be anything less than an object of your love and my love? In chapter 2, you were dead in sin, unable to know God or respond savingly to God. So he made you alive with Christ, joining you to the risen Jesus, so that by grace you have been saved by God's pure, free, unmerited favor. You are reconciled to God by free grace and to relate to each other on the same basis as well. And certainly, friends, if you're here and you've yet to turn to Christ and experience that grace, I urge you to do so. To turn from, your going, from going your own way and trust in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection to bring you to God by His grace, and He will. That's chapters 1 and 2. The pinnacle of this vision, I think, is in chapter 3, whereby joining Jew and Gentile, people who formerly hated each other, in this one new body, God puts on display his wisdom to the heavenly realm. Listen to Ephesians 3, verse 10. Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Though we are very different people, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, younger, older, married, single, by our unity together in the church, we become God's billboard to the heavenlies, putting on display His grace and wisdom. Did you know that? It's a, it's a staggering vision of the church. And then, now here in chapter 4, that vision gets applied and goes local. It's kind of like the saying, think globally, act locally. Ephesians 1 through 3 is the think globally about the church. Ephesians 4 through 6 is the act locally in the church, your local church. Now that, that grand vision of the church gets translated to boots on the ground. We are told to walk worthy of this glorious calling and pick it up in verse 11, which Mindy read to us. Verse 11, And he, Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, 
the shepherds and teachers. So Jesus, in ascending back to heaven, gave particular people these particular roles in the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the shepherds or pastors, teachers. I think that's one group, one group rather, the shepherd teachers or the pastor teachers. And then notice their intended effect in verse 12. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. That's an important statement. Here's why the ascended Jesus gave those offices or those roles, those particular people in the church. Here's why. To equip the saints, all of God's holy people, all of God's set-apart people, to equip them for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So catch this. Pastors equip, members minister. Pastors equip, members minister. Is that your vision for the church right here? I, in my college years, transferred to UC Santa Barbara. Go Gauchos. Where's Dan? Fellow Gaucho. In doing so, I decided to go out for the rugby club at UCSB. As a club sport, everyone made the team, which was good for me. We had three sides. First side, the good players. Second side, the pretty good players. And third side, well, I was third side. But early on, I hurt my knee and didn't play anymore. And I was okay with that because I had gotten my UCSB rugby jersey and my super cool UCSB rugby hooded sweatshirt. So I still went to the practices, hung out with the guys, but didn't play, and I was okay with that because I wore my UCSB rugby sweatshirt around campus ever so cool. I was, I was satisfied being on the team but not playing, never making it to the field. Friends, can't we approach the church like that? I, I belong. I don't need to play. I don't need to be on the field. Children's ministry, setup crew, greeting, that, that's not for me. No, no, I belong here. I have the sweatshirt. I don't need to play. Verse 12 won't let us think that way, will it? God is saying everyone is needed on the field. Or to use the language of verse 12, we are a body and each body part is therefore vital. Think about your own physical body. Do you not want, want every body part in your body to function properly? Of course you do. You want your liver doing its liver thing. You want your kidneys doing their kidney thing. You want every part playing its part in your body. That's what this body is to be like. That's the power of this metaphor. Every part playing its part because every part is vital. And that includes you. 
we must, we must believe this. Before this is something you do, it's something you must believe. To take on this ministry mindset in the church, every single one of us, God gives us this lofty vision of the church and then says, you are vitally needed by your church. But why? Well, we're shown that next. Truth number two. Your ministry is to build up this body. Your ministry is vitally needed by this body. And secondly, your ministry is to build up, to build up this body. Perhaps this goes without saying, but I think it's worth noticing because it's emphasized so much here. Verse 12 again, the shepherd teachers or pastor teachers equip the saints for the work of ministry for, for building up the body of Christ. Your ministry purpose is to build up, to edify, to strengthen the souls of those around you right now. Why? Verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So catch this, your ministry is so that this body becomes more unified in our faith and more knowledgeable of Jesus and more mature in Him. Parents, you've probably done this. I have. You buy your kids shoes, but you get them a couple sizes too big because they're going to grow into them. Am I the only one? You buy, when your kids are growing, you get them shoes, but you get them on the big side. They look like clown shoes for a while, but they're going to grow into those shoes. Or you receive some hand-me-down clothing that's a little large, but you have them wear it anyway, even though it's too big for them right now because your child's growing like a weed, and before you know it, they're going to grow right into those clothes. Well, verse 13 is saying, it's kind of like that for us. We haven't yet filled out our kingdom clothes. We've still got growing up to do, maturing to do. And the purpose of your ministry is to help us do that. We're not yet what we shall be entirely. God wants to use you to build us up in unity and knowledge and maturity in Christ. And notice, notice why that's so needed. Verse 14. So that so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves. Imagine a small boat out in the Pacific, tossed to and fro by the waves. Hasn't 2020 and 2021 felt like that in the church? One cultural crisis after another, after another, and we become very reactive as we are thrown to, uh, back and forth, to and fro, from wave to wave. I've got a post about this, comment on this, take a stand here. 
I have felt just tossed to and fro at times. Or, the verse goes on, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Now it's gale force winds blowing against us. Lies and false teaching. The latest conspiracy theory gripping our hearts with fear. Friends, this church needs your ministry so that we're not unstable and vulnerable like that, but instead are being built up, maturing in unity and the knowledge of Jesus. This is our, you might say, our ministry motive. If we're first called to a ministry mindset, here's our ministry motive. To build up. That, that will keep us, this motive will keep us from just thinking merely as consumers in the church. As Americans, we have, don't we, a, a consumer mentality, a consumer mindset, a consumer-driven economy. And we can bring that approach into the church. I'm not saying that somehow benefiting your, from your church is a bad thing. I want you to do so. But this ministry motive takes us, it takes us off the bus as passengers, doesn't it? It puts us on the field of play. It makes us ask, not just what can I get, what can I receive, but how can I give and be used by God? And this ministry motive will also keep us from isolating ourselves from the body. The implication here is we need the ministry of those around us. They need our ministry, and we need their ministry. Is that not the implication? That left to ourselves, we're vulnerable by winds and waves. The implication is you are needed, and you need others as well. The Apostle Paul captured this writing to the Corinthian Christians using the same body metaphor, the same metaphor. In 1 Corinthians 12, he said, The eye, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. You don't want your eye doing that. Nor again, the head say to the feet, I have no need of you. In other words, each part of the body needs the other parts of the body. Is that how you view those around you right now? As body parts, you desperately need. Friends, this, this is our ministry motive, our ministry mission statement, your ministry mission statement to build up the body and be built up yourself. So what does that look like practically and specifically? Well, truth number three, your ministry is speaking truth with love in this body. Your ministry in this passage, your ministry is speaking truth with love in this body. Verse 15. 
Rather, we are told, rather, speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. So here, catch this. Here's the antidote for being tossed to and fro by the waves. Here's the antidote for being carried about by every wind of doctrine. Here's the antidote. Here's the cure. Here's the medicine God has given us. It's you and me speaking truth in love to each other. Stability and maturity comes as we all do this, friends. Speak truth in love love. And God reinforces our role in verse 16. Look at verse 16. From whom? From Christ. The whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. Notice, when each part is working properly. That, that's each one of us. When each part, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Each part working properly. How? Well, in context, speaking the truth in love. Now, certainly that's not all we do or should do. Every, every act of ministry done to his people is valued by Jesus. Matthew 25, Jesus said, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. All ministry done in Christ's name is valued by him. But a vital part of our ministry, a central part here in this passage, is you speaking truth in love to other people around you. It's truth from God's word especially. In context, truth that God has loved us with an everlasting love. Truth that God has saved us by His grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Truth that God has united us together in His body, the church. So it's truth about Jesus that we speak in particular. Gospel truth that we speak in particular. And certainly it's truth, any truth, that accords with what the Apostle says later in this same chapter. Ephesians 4, verse 29. Just skip down a little bit further in your Bible. Ephesians 4, 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for, for what? For building up as fits the occasion, appropriate to the situation, that it may give grace to those who hear. So it's speaking any truth that delivers grace, sustaining, helping grace to that person in that situation. Friends, that's your job. But it's truth here delivered with love, with genuine affection and care. Some believers can be all about the truth. They know Scripture well. And they want to fight over every minor detail of their own theological perspective. They're about truth to win an argument. And could care less about love. That's not ministry. We need truth with love. Truth with love. Gospel truth minister to someone, to build them up, to help them. 
It's a picture, I think you could describe it as a picture of disciples making disciples. A picture of disciples making disciples. Followers of Jesus helping other followers of Jesus by here speaking truth in love. It happens all the time in this church. I think you do this very well. You send a text to someone with an encouraging scripture verse to build them up. You're doing that. You're communicating truth in love. It happens here on Sundays. Sundays, not just about a worship leader and someone preaching God's word. Sundays are also about ministry through all of us. My, my dear wife, Sung, is an example to me in this way. You won't find her teaching publicly or leading ministries publicly. She doesn't prefer to do that. But I, I can't tell you the number of times I've had people approach me and say, your wife just listened to my situation and then reminded me of a scripture verse and prayed for me, and she's so wonderful, and I just have to agree. And she's not looking at me. She's ignoring me because she doesn't <laughs> want me to highlight her. <laughs> oh. This is what we get to do for each other in just a little bit. Ministry to each other. Did you know that? Real ministry to each other. Well, you talk to a friend or you talk to a guest here today. You ask them how they're doing, how they're really doing. And maybe you think of some truth you can communicate in love to build them up and pray for them. That's ministry, friends, right here in this body. Disciples making disciples happens in our small groups as well. Maybe especially in our small groups. Think of your home group as a place where people come together to lovingly deliver truth to each other and so be built up. Listen, your group is not, it's not just like your home group leader's ministry. Yes, they facilitate that context, sure. But it's about every member on the field. That's what makes uh, our small group so important. Every member on the field there. Every member being used by God, looking to build each other up and be built up themselves. So you might go to your next home group meeting praying. God, help me find someone to whom I can communicate truth in love. And help me be built up by others in the same way. I mean, couldn't this transform how we think about home group? Let me go to build others up and be built up myself. It could transform a marriage as well. Disciples making disciples should happen in a marriage. That's when marriage becomes about ministry. When your main concern becomes your spouse's spiritual good, you focus less on what he did or she did or he said or she said, and more about how God might use you to tenderly, patiently minister his word 
in love, and so build them up on a daily basis. That's a ministry mindset in marriage. You might ask your spouse, do a little homework. Ask your spouse, how often do I bring you truth? And how well do I bring it in love? That would be a good discussion. How often do I bring you truth? And how well do I do it in love to build you up? Disciples making disciples happens with our single adults, with your friends. It's about having intentional friendships in which you deliver God's truth with God's heart. Think about it. Singles with your friends. Do you, do you mainly or let's say exclusively talk about sports and politics and current events? Or do you also communicate gospel truth to each other in love? You might ask a friend, how often do I bring you truth and how well do I bring it in love? Think about that friendship, your friendships, as a context where disciples can make disciples. Disciples making disciples is also a great way to think about parenting. Parenting involves speaking the truth in love, but parents, don't we remember the truth part <laughs> and forget the in love part? I can do that. We want to parent with this ministry mindset. A good question to ask your kids is, what do I make you more aware of, truth or love? Now, they need both from us, parents. Our children need both. But ask them, what do I make you more aware of? Now, one more way. One more way disciples make disciples here, or can do so. And that's with a mentor a mentor. Over the past year, we gathered a cross-section of our church, about 10 or 12 people, to meet with us as elders a few times. They helped us to, we asked them to, help us evaluate strengths and weaknesses for us as a body. And then one theme in particular seemed to emerge from our conversations, and we kind of burrowed into that particular theme, the idea of mentoring, or you might call it intentional personal discipleship. You see, sometimes we need more focused help, don't we? Someone to walk with us in a particular season, in our singleness or our marriage or our parenting or what have you. Or maybe walk with us through a particular struggle, maybe as a new believer or with a job challenge, or a career decision, or what have you. It's having someone just a step or two in front of us in that area that can walk along with us to help us and speak the truth in love to us. I was told that a young wife here was meeting regularly with Linda Lydell that Linda had been investing in this younger wife on a regular basis to just encourage this young lady, to help her, to support her, 
I'm sure Linda did a lot of speaking truth in love. That's all we're talking about. It's not a counselor-counselee relationship. It's not a new program we're launching. It's just intentional Christian friendship. Disciples making disciples. So if you want help like that, and you're not sure what to do, we, we want to help you. You contact Joshua. He's going to be the point person here. And he will seek to help connect you with someone else that might walk with you in that arena for a season of time, for as long as you wish. So contact Joshua if you have any questions or if you would like help, friends, that others might speak truth in love for you right there. So, back to where we start. Back to where we start. How do you think about your role in this church? How will you, friends, how will you think about your role in the ministry of this church? It can't be as a passive passenger on a bus. It can't be as support crew while real ministry happens. It can't be waiting for permission in some kind of pyramid structure because we are a body. We are a body and you, friends, you are a vital part of this body. I hope you see that God wants to use you in powerful ways, to use you right here to increase our unity, to increase our knowledge of Jesus, to help us grow and uh, mature in Christ. I hope you see that you're called to real ministry in this church, speaking truth in love, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Let's pray to that end, shall we? Amen. And those who are going to serve us the Lord's Supper can prepare to do so. Take a moment, if you would, to just respond to the Lord as we've been worshiping Him through His Word engaging with God through his word. Respond to what the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you about. Maybe you've wanted to just be a passenger passively. Maybe you've wanted to isolate yourself, not really be involved not really be engaged. Maybe for you, you've been delivering truth, but it's not been in love. It's not been designed to encourage and strengthen. Respond to God even there. Ask him to use you. Ask him to give you this ministry mindset right here.
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you for this vision of the church. Help us to, as Ephesians 4 verse 1 says, walk worthy of this glorious calling we've received in Christ. Would you empower us, Holy Spirit, to that end? Including, including seeing that we have a vital role to play, each one of us. And would you empower us to fulfill that role all the more? We pray you would help us this way. Out of love for you and love for your people. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.